0: What's up, all you beautiful people? Happy November, November 1st. The Hallows have subsided back into their calendular uh, netherworld until the next year. How was your guys' Halloween? What'd y'all wear? Um, your boy Hobart is back stateside after a month adventure in uh, Costa Rica. That was just so needed and so awesome a lot of healing a lot of a lot of discovery and adventures and um <clears throat> it just reaffirmed in my mind how important traveling is to me uh and how much more of it i i still have to do in my life um and that kind of ties into the topic of today because this is an episode that I recorded in Costa Rica while I was traveling. Um, it's a interesting story. Uh, I was at, you know, it, those of you that had listened to, uh, the episode I released two episodes ago, which was the essence of paradise with Nico beautiful. Um, I was, I, you know, for those of you that don't know, I was, uh, my first two weeks in Costa Rica, I decided to start with a two week yoga retreat at this place called essence. And it was just such a beautiful place, you know, for healing, for, for doing the personal work and doing yoga every day. And I met so many cool people there and, uh, of those people uh my guest today Miss Lisa Klaus I think I said that right I might have said it wrong you'll hear right away in the beginning of the conversation she she says how to properly say her name I think she prefers Crossy for for us anglos but uh she came uh, I think like a a week or 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 so after I arrived and I was immediately intrigued by this woman because she shows up to the to the yoga center and she's 6 months pregnant and i'm like who is this woman that's just traveling solo around the world with a baby in tow and just so uh she had such a strong energy about her like really a really courageous and powerful woman and uh we immediately you know I immediately became intrigued and started talking to her and um, found that we share a lot of values and and there was just a lot of interesting conversations that happened um, before we decided to do this episode. I feel like we had already probably done five or six podcasts just without the recorders going and uh, just just so many cool ideas and topics and really cool perspectives and uh you know as i say in this episode i love listening to german speakers and the the uh, upshot of the matter was that we ended up traveling after the retreat for another two weeks together we got a rental car and uh and drove out to the caribbean side and it was just really nice having a friend uh to travel with and to talk to and experience go through experiences together and uh and then we finally did get it together to do this episode and um today this this special episode is special for a number of reasons um not the least of which is that this is the first podcast episode with video that we will be putting out and um, we did shoot this entire conversation on video and I will be uh, releasing that today on YouTube. So if you guys want to want to watch along, that's another option for for the Bartcast. I don't know if I'm going to be doing it for every episode going forward because it it is like definitely another level of complexity, and and this being still a one man operation, I'm trying to keep the overhead to a to a manageable place with my own bandwidth, but. I think that we will have like the special episodes where the video comes in until I can have the resources available to 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 get a producer in here to work with me um but this is going to be a video one as well and uh and that's that's a new new thing for me definitely It's definitely one thing to listen to yourself and another thing to watch yourself um but uh but yeah we we go into so many cool topics in this conversation. Lisa is studying to be an epigenetic coach and uh, and approaching, she, she's really in this stage in her life where I, I see her and I saw her on our trip, uh, really dedicated to learning about health uh, in a really nuanced and holistic way. She has, totally has like the German practicality and has married that with kind of a broader, uh holistic mindset at times uh approaching some new age stuff approaching some it's kind of like this cool synthesis of like some new age and and holistic beliefs with uh like scientific evidence-based uh modalities as well and i think that's really what holistic health is about is like picking the best most effective methodologies and philosophies with regarding healing and integrating them into you know uh, a process that's that's really looking to not just fix the symptoms or put people into a temporary state of well-being but to change the fundamental roots of their dishealth or unhealth or disease or whatever term you want to use um so yeah we got it we go into that we we dive a little bit into, you know, our own personal stories, uh, the childhood traumas. We have, a, you know, one of the things that we connected on pretty early on in our friendship was just that our our childhood stories of, of of the abuse and the trauma that we experienced are really similar. So we go into that a little bit and just talk some philosophy and it just was really cool seeing seeing this brave person just kind of taken her, her path in her own hands and really fiercely uh, traveling in, in the most vulnerable of states and doing so with a real intrepid character. And, uh, and it was just really a treat um, to get into the conversation. I really appreciate Lisa coming on and being willing to get deep into these topics with me and to be really authentic. And, uh, she, you know, she also has her YouTube channel. I think most of it right now is in German, but I've been encouraging her to do at the very least to, to go in and put in some, uh, some captions so people can listen to what she has to say. And maybe she's going to start doing some English episodes too, because she has a really cool perspective on these topics and is really, again, I keep coming to this word, like quite fearless about sharing her experience with the world at large. Um, I think there's a couple of videos of her going through like some traditional psychedelic uh, ceremonies and and, do, and documenting that process, which I know for myself tends to be really a private thing. So without further ado, let me introduce to you my friend, Miss Lisa Krause, on this episode 38 of the BartCast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. Mm -hmm. Did I say it right?
1: Um, Yeah, you can say I like crossy a little better. Crossy? Yeah, my sister always calls me like that. Okay. It's crossy. Crossy.
0: (laughs) Nice. But do you say, did I say the R? Like, how would you say it in German? Krause. 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 Lisa Krause. (laughs) I need to know for my, uh, for the intro, because on the last episode or two episodes ago, I had Nico on. Mm-hmm. And it was like I like mer- like mangled his name so bad. <laughs> I think I said like botifer and it's like botifer, or something,
1: like <laughs> <laughs> something, something in German. So yeah, um, it's always hard with the names. Yeah, just call me Lisa.
0: Lisa, <laughs> that's easy. My aunt's name's Lisa.
1: I was thinking about that today on the hike, like,
0: uh, like California Lisa versus like German like Lisa.
1: Lisa. there's
0: a subtle difference yeah you have the e sounds it's like the uh sound yeah as opposed to the phonemes are fun um well welcome welcome to the bartcast thank welcome you to podcast happy to be here i think you're the first swiss german that we've had on the show
1: yeah i mean i'm actually um everyone would consider me a german because uh-huh. i was born in germany but Living in Switzerland for 10 years now. Okay. So,
0: But your German accent's still strong.
1: Yeah. 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 I cannot, (laughs) and I don't want to put on that Swiss accent. No. No, it's (laughs) it's too much for me.
0: (laughs) What a, when we're talking about like accents for, you know, I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this are in the States. And a lot of us think about like German accents, we're always thinking about like, Kind of like the South German or the Bavarian, yeah. very musical, very like dynamic accent. Uh, like what region or how would you describe your accent? Like where, you, where
1: is it from? Like I think I speak high German. Okay. I don't have an, I don't really have an, an accent. What is high German? High German is like the, like the German without an accent. Like the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like how you learn it in school okay. or how you should learn it in school. Like proper German. Yeah, because I was like, I was born um, in near Berlin. And then, but then when I was like about 10 years old, I had to move to Saxony. And that's a completely different accent. And that's why maybe I never put on such a strong ac- um, accent. Because mm. I was always like moving around as a kid. So that's one of the, yeah, I think... One of the possibilities I did not um, put on an accent.
0: Yeah, because that makes sense. And now I'm
1: in Switzerland, so dip, oh, my, again, a new accent, yeah.
0: When you go home, do people say you have an accent? No. You keep it strong. Yeah. Is that something you have to, like, keep in your mind when you're talking?
1: No, no. You know? I'm, like, I'm just speaking, like, just high dreaming. It, yeah. Yeah.
0: I know that's that's one of the funny things about traveling, at least for me. I'm so susceptible to accents that like like i bet if i came to switzerland i would have like kind of a swiss accent within a couple of weeks
1: yeah that could be you know like
0: even here my english has gotten more broken it's easier to mm-hmm. communicate with like a less proper version of it mm-hmm. and uh, i'm sure it would be the same in, in any country i went to but um but we're for all you out there on the internet we're uh We are here in this lovely place, the Passion Fruit Lodge uh, in Costa Rica on the Caribbean side in a little town called Cahuita, and uh, we're actually doing this podcast. This is the first video podcast for the Bartcast, so breaking ground, and uh, our lovely hosts are are away and they don't know that we're using their kitchen <laughs> to shoot this podcast so uh you guys are in on the secret on on mm-hmm. our, us being a little sneaky but <laughs>
1: they will find out sometimes yeah i'm sure
0: they'll love it we'll promote yeah. them passion fruit lodge this place is amazing but yeah it's so
1: super beautiful
0: so just to give a little background uh me and lisa we met what has it been like two weeks now or i more? think it's more than two weeks three weeks maybe
1: yeah yeah
0: so we met at, on a yoga retreat uh, in this town, Arinal, uh, in a, at a re- retreat center called Essence. Uh, two episodes ago, I sat down with Nico, who's the director of Essence. But we uh, we decided to to go on this journey together to the Caribbean side. You know, my first impression of Lisa, I was like, who's this woman who's six months pregnant, just traveling <laughs> by herself, like so. So brave and so fierce, and and just setting off into the unknown. I thought, I thought, like how interesting. I got to know who this person oh, is. Thank you. What her story is, and uh, and I feel like in spending this time, we've grown like a really cool friendship, and definitely done some hot springs, traveled, dro- driven into the darkness, um, and we've like talked a lot, and we've talked a lot. We've probably had at least four podcasts already without the mics (laughs) so um i'm hoping that we can capture some of that spirit for this one because we've had some really interesting conversations Mm -hmm. and uh yeah what was i'm curious what was your first impression of me when when you met me do you remember
1: um i still remember i i think the first time i saw you was at the at the yoga class and but then like my 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 real first impression i got was at the tamaskal Mm, and it was pretty vulnerable because we're all we were all in there sweating it was dark and you were sharing your stories and i remember how i could relate to that story because you were talking about your your trauma and your childhood and the abuse you um had to experience and um I felt that because I experienced like, a, like pretty similar things. So I remember that and I was like, wow, <laughs> I, I would never thought that you are like, because you're such a kind guy. And thank you. normally when you see like, when you like, I mean, you feel the trauma in a person and like, but you're so like, feels like you healed lots of stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. And that was impressing to me. Yeah. Oh, still remember you. that.
0: Yeah, that was it. Was it was an interesting experience, you know, for for those of you who are wondering what a temescal is. It's uh, at this retreat center. Part of the retreat, uh, we got to engage in like an indigenous ceremony, kind of like a sweat lodge, mm-hmm. uh, in this big like what is it made out of like clay almost or stucco? It looks or like an igloo, a little. Yeah, it's kind of like a stone igloo. And they build a fire on one side of it. We didn't have the volcanic rocks on this one, but they had this fire going. And we went in, it was dark and we did chants and songs and
1: Yeah, and you really sweat it's like a spiritual sauna, like I like that. Healing sauna, yeah.
0: Healing sauna with herbs, it was there was smells, not just each other's, but also the spices. Yeah. And uh and then we started we did like these intentions, and then we started honoring our parents and And one of the things that struck me was just how when you're around a group of strangers, in some ways it's almost easier to get vulnerable and deep. It's like nobody has these preconceived ideas about who you are, so I don't know about you, but I felt like safe, yeah, sharing some things that maybe around my best friends, I wouldn't have felt mm-hmm. as comfortable.
1: But also because the other person, they were vulnerable too. So they shared right. their stories and one one started to be like really vulnerable and sharing their thoughts, their emotions, their feelings, their anxiety and everything they're going through right now. And um, I think that's what, um, yeah, made the ice break a little. And, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, totally. And we had great leaders the two women that led the ceremony both Adelina and Kat like were bringing in their own influence and really setting the stage for all of us to to get honest and get get vulnerable about our stories mm-hmm. and yeah I felt that connection to you too mm-hmm. like we we both had have a ser- I think a similar background story of of the ho- homes that we grew up in and just being on this this path of healing from our trauma and trying to not let it continue to dictate the, the ways that we show up for mm-hmm. the people in our lives and the ways that we kind of define our own potential. Cause as we've talked about many times, like how limiting can it be? Mm-hmm. Like we're all, you hear people say like you're your own worst enemy or, you know, you set your own limits. But I find so often like, those limits can be operating subconsciously. Like you might think like, I'm fine. I've always been this way. It's, you know, these things are hard. These things are easy. And when you start to dig deeper and peel back the layers, uh, I know for myself, it's been really revealing just like what's going on below the surface of conscious thought mm-hmm. that's having an effect on, on how I, you know, behave and, and think about life and, and, uh kind of categorize situations
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i mean it's like it's like peeling peeling an onion like every time you get a little deeper once you start it you you cannot you 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 also cannot stop like Mm. it's uh when once you start um the healing process it's like you you're not getting addicted to it but you're like i really don't want this to impact me anymore because trauma has an impact um, has such a such a such a huge impact on all of our life choices on our relationships on our finances the career our friendships like almost everything and once you figure out that it has it does not have to be that that way you can try to to switch it and try to yeah write another story Mm -hmm. you know tell another story from this day on
0: do you remember how how old you were when you first started looking at your trauma and thinking about healing it like would you, was there a moment where where that journey started for you
1: yeah there was i don't know i don't remember how old i was i was probably 23 or 24 i think there was a moment when i was sitting in my apartment like alone and i had to write my bachelor fees um yeah my bachelor for my bachelor bachelor mm-hmm. exam I, I had to do some work and I was procrastinating all the time and I was like I felt so depressed and at that time I was like also I was a go-go dancer I was going out every weekend and just yeah I was a like a party girl and yeah. I did some stuff that was not really healthy yeah like with men and yeah, just was not it maybe was fun sometimes but it was not healthy and I, I I was at a point in my life where I was like sitting in my apartment and I felt so lonely and I had those weird thoughts coming up and then I was like okay I need to, I need to get help right now mm. otherwise I don't know if I'm going to survive. Um again, again you yeah. know I mean I mean it's one thing to survive the trauma to be a survivor but then the other thing is to survive the healing, like the, because you're always re-traumatizing yourself again. You're repeating those patterns. Yeah. And to survive that is another, like, story, another kind of story. Right. And I remember saying to myself, I cannot go on like that. And then I, I went into a bookshop. Um, I started psychotherapy and I went into a bookshop and I remember I grabbed this book about Kundalini yoga. And, um, it was like, there was so much wisdom in this book that I was like, um, it fascinated me and it helped me in a way I could have never imagined. And that's when my yoga journey began and my meditation journey, but meditation, I started, I started, um, later, but my, my yoga journey began and, um, few years after that maybe two years three years i decided to become a yoga teacher and to go to hawaii and it was the first time in my life where i was in this big spiritual community community connecting with people who were really going through some healing stuff who like Mm. were the first ones in my life who are really aware of the baggage they're carrying and this opened my eyes more and more and more and um yeah that's how it started and um yeah i'm i'm diving deeper into it more and more and especially right now after ayahuasca after i did my first ayahuasca ceremony yeah and like buffo with the psychedelics it's like yeah everything came at the right moment okay in my life
0: i mean it, it the the first thing that sticks out to me when when I hear that story that you just told is just how much strength you had even in the beginning of deciding to dive in, like making the choice to to heal. That's usually I feel like where a lot of people get caught up and can take decades, even if you're aware that you're carrying trauma. Like, not everybody's first instinct is like, okay, I have to go into healing. I'm going to get therapy. I'm going to get into Kundalini, or you know like it's amazing that you have this type of brain where you're able to uh, to kind of take the initiative and and to activate and I know for myself, it took me years of like thinking about going to yoga, thinking about going mm-hmm. to therapy, mm-hmm. putting it off you know my own my own trauma patterns. Mm-hmm. Would affect even my ability to to start the healing process, thinking
1: about starting your dream job, like or quitting your job, right. it's just always you know you have to be aware that as long as you don't change your behavior if as long as you don't do something, you will always continue the same pattern, and you will always experience this the same. The same things. Like, how how do you expect to have another outcome, a different outcome, if you're not changing? And you cannot just look at the outside world and say, "Oh, it's his fault." My relationship, like, I had, I struggled so much in relationships, and I always thought, "Yeah, this is just an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just like, "It's not, it's not my fault. This yeah. is just a fucking, a unfu- uh, fucking asshole." Yeah, just projecting, but. At one point in my life I was like, yeah, but why do I keep um having relationships that are not meant to be? And yeah. like um why do I always why do I always have to go through a breakup? And starting to see that yeah, maybe he he was an asshole, but I also have my own demons and my own shadow and I have to work on that because I cannot change the other person. Yeah. I can I can just change myself. And I truly believe that what I see on the outside is a reflection um, of my inside.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a powerful one. Like, we, it kind of gets back to what I was saying. Like, as thinking, feeling creatures, all we have to experience the world and create reality are our own tools of perception. Yes. And if you're working with broken tools, your reality is going to be affected by that. And I think that a lot. I think that a lot of, heal, at least for myself, maybe other people feel this way too, but like a huge part of healing is realizing like, what are the things that are affecting my perception of Mm -hmm. reality and how is that building, you know, a narrative and a reality that doesn't necessarily make me happy, Yeah, doesn't fulfill me. It, It isn't often, we think of it as like material things in our life, like, oh, I didn't get the job or, oh, I suck at math or, oh, I, I just can't. Like I'm just terrible with women, you know? Uh, And those are like kind of crutches at times. Those are narratives that we can kind of lean on because it's comfortable Mm because we've accepted it. But then once you start to, like you said, peel back those layers and break it down, I think it becomes more and more clear of like, oh, no, there's like some root shit that you happened usually in childhood where this narrative got said in my brain And I'm filtering every new experience through that story and and looking, you know, you think about these days, like everybody goes online to like find information to add to their own narrative. Mm -hmm. It's a common thing that people talk about. And I think we're always doing that. Like I have a story about who I am. I have a new experience. I'm looking for the patterns in that experience that are going to feed
1: that story, that
0: story. And the thing is, is it doesn't always have to be negative. Like one of the things we that i've learned i keep learning i keep having to relearn is like we all have the power to decide to start building positive narrative stories and then when we encounter these situations we can yeah. look like, like how is this building that positive narrative you know i think that's a big part of the work
1: it's so true because the story we tell ourselves is our really uh, is is becoming our re- reality you know and i like that's when i when i when I right now, like, um, I'm feeling kind of anxious. Or I'm feeling kind of like a loser. Mm. That, I mean, those feelings still, they still come up, but then I'm, I'm trying to look back and I'm trying to look where was I, um, five or 10 years ago and what, what beliefs did I have back then? Mm. And then I remind myself that I had such a different story about my health, for example, like, I had such a different consciousness about about health choices, and um, I mean, I was smoking, I was drinking, I like I was eating so much shit, and now I'm a complete different person in in like in regard to that. Yeah, and I'm so happy that I just I, I just changed the story because I became aware that it doesn't serve me anymore, and it's in my power to change it, and I think that's how. We can look at our stories, we can look at the things we're not feeling comfortable with right now, or we are like the str- the struggles we're going through. And then thinking about the stories we're telling ourselves every day and every day and every day, because the stories we tell ourselves, there's the stories we tell us, uh, our, our body, ourselves, and our brain will do anything to to prove us right, you know? Hell so. yeah.
0: And I think that's a great segue into talking about uh, some epigenetics. What do you think about that? Yeah, of course. So, you know, for all you listeners out there, all you watchers out there, uh, Lisa, is currently you're currently studying to be an epigenetic coach, correct? Yes, right. Can you give everyone just like a basic uh, definition of what epigenetics are and what epigenetic coaching is all about so that people can have that idea?
1: Yeah, so like um, epigenetic is not that not that famous because it's um, totally new in science, and um, doctors and all kinds of scientists always always thought that everything is programmed by our genes mm. and that our genes are super important and um, everything else doesn't matter. But what we found out is that the environment and the um, surrounding we are putting our genes into is much more important than the gene because it um, tells the gene to go on or go off Mm. so we can what we can do is by changing our surrounding we can change our health we can change our body and um, yeah that's that's probably it so it's all about how your diet how your your movement, how your lifestyle and all those kind of life choices is, is impacting your health and that you don't have to be a victim. Even if your mom or your dad or your grandmom had cancer or diabetes or other sorts of chronic illnesses, you don't have to be a victim. You don't have to believe that this is the same thing that will happen to you because you can not have those, those genes, but you are... The Master you can control if they're yeah, if they are expressed expressed or not, yeah so
0: it's kind of like taking this uh mind over matter philosophy that we have heard from the new Agers right for decades, but it's actually applying like a scientific basis to it, is that correct yeah,
1: it's like the really scientific it's like um there's lots of like studies being done and it's like really really uh it's not just um modern spirituality mm-hmm. but it's like really proven science and um it's um super important to become aware how all those things those impacts my diet my my movement my but also my transgenerational trauma like the trauma i stored in my body or even the trauma my dad or my granddad stored in his body, is still, they're still giving it to me. Like, they're still mm. giving it to the next generation and how now it's my, it's my work to heal the trauma, to not get the same, like, to not get ill or, or get the same, like, experience the same um, kind of illness, sickness and health issues.
0: Mm. Yeah, it reminds me of I forget the name of the study, but there was a study a couple of years ago where they took mice and they put them in like shallow water with an electric current and they mm-hmm. shocked the mice. And I think they found that like even two generations later when they would put the children of those mice in water, yeah. they would have like a fear response. Yeah,
1: definitely. That's an epigenetic experiment. I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: So that's it. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool to hear because it's total cutting edge. This is total cutting edge scientific stuff. And I think what, another one that I heard was like how apparently human babies have a natural like tendency to avoid snakes and like shapes, yeah. snake-like shapes. Like it's, there's some sort of, there's some genetic memory in there.
1: Definitely. I mean, evolution is part of the epigenetic process. I mean... For example, if you're like super stressed, mm-hmm. um, as a man you're super stressed, and then you fertilize a woman, this information that you are surrounded by so much that you're in such a stressful environment is giving, is still in your sperm, mm-hmm. and it's giving to the baby so that the, the baby can develop bigger um,
0: adrenaline.
1: adrenaline glands to produce more adrenaline to produce more stress hormones because right. it has to be prepared for the environment so it's like evolution it totally makes sense it's not yeah. that our body is like if you're the same thing with if you if your grandparents they experienced war and they experienced like starvation and like hunger then you can still have some metabolism um problems like problems with your metabolism and your your whole your your health because it's still it has a it makes sense because i mean the body is like oh i still have to be prepared for that mm. so i have to keep the metabolism down to not to not experience this hunger again you know it it, it always makes sense it's not that we're just getting sick because there's some evil in our body, mm-hmm. and it wants, uh, and it wants us to suffer. It's it's always um, from the uh, uh, evolutionary side. It always makes sense.
0: Interesting. So, fellas, it's not enough. To- To have sex, to relax, you got to meditate before you have sex, you got to come in. If you want to have a baby, I would
1: recommend that. (laughs) But also, yeah, (laughs) I would really recommend that. Yeah,
0: yeah. and if you're, if you have trouble with your diet, like it might be because you're you know,
1: grandparents were in world war two or something. Yeah, It could be. That's why in epigenetics, when you coach, yeah. you also, you you're not just looking at the client, you're also looking at the generations before mm. what did they experience? Yeah. Like what, what, um, kind of trauma do they, um, that they have to go through so that you can see as a, as an epigenetic coach. Oh, okay. Um, that's why maybe you develop this, um, this, health issue mm-hmm. and now we can't we have to do this and that to to because you can influence the epigenetics and now and now we have to do this or that to increase the health of yourself
0: yeah can you walk me through like at, you know as an epigenetic coach when you're working with a client can you walk me through like the process of uh how you go about um identifying like their issues and then working towards like, you know, healing strategy. Like how does that process look, look like?
1: I think it's, it's always different. It depends on the goal. Um, the client has, Mm -hmm. but if you're just coming to me and you're just like, I'm struggling with almost everything, like with my health, with my life choices, I'm unhappy. I have stress. I, I'm not able to, um, have healthy relationships. Then I would start um, asking you what what do you want to work on first, and then um, I would spend I think I would spend like an hour first just listening to you and you're like um, finding out what you struggle the most with right now. Mm-hmm. Then I would do probably recommend some tests for for the body to see. Okay, first first thing we have to do, and that's almost um, always like this, is to change the diet or fact in the diet like to to add something or leave something away um that's the first thing and then developing a plan because you cannot like i mean just imagine you're someone who's like totally out of control right now nothing's going going mm-hmm. well in your life yeah i cannot tell you okay now you have to do those 20 things and then <laughs> <end>. <laughs> because then you freak out it's overwhelming you know yeah, sure. so we have to start one thing at a time mm-hmm. and um see what's now the most important thing like i mean if you have cancer the first 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 thing we would do is to 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 do the cell to do the, te- the test with the cells to look at your um health um of yourself and to see why did this thing um yeah, why did it come up, and how we can can we heal it right now and then integrate mm-hmm. the the soul and the mental process, okay, yeah, so it's like really depending what is really important right now, we start with that, and then can you talk we'll about on.
0: some specific like modalities that you work in, like as far as like what are the specific therapies that that are used in epigenetic coaching for, for healing. Like you mentioned, like you, you do testing to identify, you know, where, why are certain things being expressed? Like, why is the cancer, uh, gene being expressed in this situation? Um, and you mentioned a little bit about the power of these different, you know, spiritual practices or therapies or diet. <clears throat> um, can you go into a little more detail about how those mechanisms influence the the cells and the way that they read genes?
1: Oh, they're like, for ex- um, example, f- um, for cancer, they're like oppressor and suppressor genes. Okay. So, like, um, and if you have, like, if you just have the um, suppressor genes or, like, you have too much of one of them, mm-hmm. then cancer c- can develop. Okay. So, um, then we have to focus to build up um, more of those genes, you have less. You have, you have less, and. Um,
0: so just to clarify, the like the suppressor genes. That's like the, the genes that are telling your body to kill the cancer. Or to suppress suppress, the, suppress, suppress cell growth or something. Whatever? Yeah. 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 And then the. the, what would the, uh, the other And one the, be? then
1: you also have like the. Um, the you have. I think what, what 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 was the name of the like it, it's so far away right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's the tumor growth. You also have the, like the su- tumor growth genes, mm. and if they're like if the suppressor genes are like um, not enough, and you have too much tumor tumor grow genes, mm-hmm. growth genes, um, growth genes, then you have the the problem of developing cancer. Okay, and then you have to put that back back into balance because gotcha. I mean it's every time. There's no ex, um, exception for this. Every time you get sick mm-hmm. and you get like in, like a chronic disease, it means there's something out of balance. Yeah, and holistic healing, and that is what we do in epigenetic, is to really see like what what does that what, what does that have to do with the soul, your trauma your mental health right now what does it have to do with your diet what kind of supplements can you take what kind of herbs and plants can you use what um what kind of workout would be good for you right now what are other stress factors in your mm-hmm. life that we have to elin- uh, el- eliminate right now so you it's a really like really really holistic you have to because just doing one thing and just maybe looking on the diet and say okay your diet is not optimal we have to change it probably will not make the cancer go away right yeah i mean it's always holistic
0: you hear these stories about people who have like stage four cancer i think we met a couple even on this trip and The reductionist model, which is kind of the dominant model in in like Western medicine, is to go into the hospital, okay, we're going to give you chemotherapy, or we're going to cut out the tumor, we're going to zap it with uh, interferon, and then we're aiming for it to get rid of these symptoms, and we're going to go in and just like, you know, not look at the whole rest of the system, but we're going to look at this one facet. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what you're saying, which I believe very deeply is what we need to be focusing more on in our modern healthcare system is like viewing the body as this complex system, yeah. and having your healthcare providers. Uh, you know, th- we can go even deeper into the problems with that, but just having these healthcare providers be able to look at the system and all its complexity, yeah. and and find these holistic pr- approaches where it's not just about taking the pill to fix the one problem. It's really Like so much I've found in my own health and I've heard from other people like disease isn't this evil thing that comes and happens to you. It's kind of like the disease is like, okay, it's time for you to either change change your life fundamentally or I'm like it's your body basically saying it's time for you to change fundamentally or you're going to die. You know, for a lot of people it gets to that point and that's when they finally have that the stakes are high enough to see the light and you know uh they they make hopefully are able to make the changes but i do think like having people like yourself who are you know there aren't many resources in this in this realm yet you know relative you know most people aren't even aware of epigenetics or um or trauma or trauma and uh so it's you know this is i think this is really much needed in the world
1: definitely it? i mean you cannot separate the body from the soul it, it's always like your body and your soul it is like it's impacting um it's always in the in like it always works together like you cannot you cannot separate um those two things from one another it's uh it's a union what do you and, when you
0: use the word soul like what what does that word mean to you? What do you use that word to represent?
1: I mean, for me, depends on um, how you're feeling about it. I think it doesn't, like, as, as an epigenetic coach, it doesn't matter how I would define that word. It's more how you would define it. And mm-hmm. if you, like, would not believe in the soul, I will tell you. Yeah, I mean your psyche. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I mean there's you're just not your body right you mm-hmm. I, if i would tell you you're your arm you would say no mm-hmm. so and you're also not like this whole body yeah, you're more yeah. much more than that and i would tell you what is what's with your mental health what's with 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 your psyche right now gotcha. what's with the experience you made in the past and yeah. how do they still impact you and i think um that's one thing we we really have to to focus on and because like School medicine is more focused on suppressing the symptoms, like to treat the symptoms. Um, But if you like, if you cut out a tumor, you have no guarantee it it doesn't come back. It doesn't grow Mm -hmm. back, you know? And like, this is a sign from your body. You now have to start your healing journey. Mm. You have to start your healing journey right now because also like, let's say you have such a bad diet and it's part why the, the, chronic disease developed also having such a bad diet and treating yourself in such a bad way is a trauma response. Right. You know, it's not, it's not just like, yeah, I'm just a lazy person, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. If you're smoking cigarettes, if you're drinking, if you have a bad diet, um, if you're not moving, if you're not acting in a way that shows that you really love and appreciate yourself and your body, it is a trauma response. It is because you experience trauma and you still think maybe in your in your belief system you're not worth it. You're not worth of health. Like you're not worthy of health. Right. Uh, you're not worthy of of a high quality lifestyle. You know whatever it is, it's destructive. It's destructive behavior, and that has an underlying issue. And the this illness just shows you, or this disease shows you, you have to start your healing journey now at one point it will be too late.
0: Yeah. I mean those those that's how those patterns get reinforced, right? Because like I've found in my own healing such a fundamental thing. Like one of the things I had to really look at before I could move past a lot of my trauma was like I'm being mean to myself almost daily. Like I had to become my own friend again and learn how to love myself and that's always a balance that I'm either struggling with or succeeding with. Uh, but one of the things I found was that I had this narrative of where there'd be a behavior that I knew was bad for me and that I didn't really want to do, and there was almost this, like, perverse satisfaction in still doing it. Like, yeah. like I knew it was bad, and I would get... I would feel bad about doing it, and that would actually drive me to do it more. And so what yeah, I had to do... was because it's a punishment. Right, and so what I had to do was, like, first... Before I stopped the behavior, I had to change the narrative about the behavior and how I was talking to myself about doing it. I started doing, I was still doing the stuff that maybe was out of balance, but I started doing it with more intention. Like, okay, I'm going to be a schmuck. You know, I'm going to be, I've talked about on this podcast before, like I might smoke weed and stay up till 4am, but like I'm making the choice to do it now.
1: Yeah, it's okay to be in my... Like I call that the the shadow child, right? Um, I, I, I'm like, or in my in my hurt inner child. I'm okay. I'm okay, and um, it's okay to be the hurt inner child right now. Yeah, and to repeat those un, maybe unhealthy patterns. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, that the worst the worst thing you can do is when you start your healing journey, like becoming so strict and so like s- punishing yourself and judging yourself in your head for the things you're not doing right right now yeah. because then it gets worse the first thing you have to start in your healing journey is learning how to be kind to yourself how to talk in a loving way to yourself um in the, in, in the most compassionate way because it's your it's your it's your poor small inner child that is hurt that wants to continue this behavior and you now have to be super, super friendly and super kind to that child so that it doesn't show up um, like every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we do. It, it brings to mind the idea of like something I've been working on a lot this last year but how can I be a better internal parent to my yeah. internal child because and I think that we both share this in our history like in the, you know growing up in a traumatic home Having abuse as a kid, uh, the modeling of what healthy parenting behavior looked like, it wasn't always something that that was really going to be in a health focused perspective. And so, mm-hmm. as we become adults, and as we start, uh, I know as I started examining my patterns that were no longer serving me, that was a big one. It was like, okay, like you know, like you mentioned earlier, I have a problem a lot with being super productive or whatever my idea of productivity is, I fail to meet that. So one of the things I noticed was like, okay, what does like a healthy relationship with a boss look like or like a parent? And I realized that when it was time to get to work, I would sit down and the voice that would come into my head would be either that of like a parent like telling me to work in in an unfriendly way or it would be like an old boss that I had that was super traumatic and would exploit me. And and this is the voice that I'm telling myself, like how am I going to ever get any work done? If that's, you know what I'm telling myself I need to do. And and that's what my idea of work is, is hearing that voice. So like, that's what I've been working on in the last few months is like, how do I change that internal dialogue so that when I hear the voice, it's like a loving voice Mm -hmm. that's encouraging me, that's supporting me, that's, so that when I show up to do my work, I get to feel good. I get to feel supported, you know, but it's hard. You know, you have a bad day. Suddenly you're dealing with a boss from five years ago that was stressing you out all the time.
1: Yeah. Know? And I mean, all your inner child wants is to be seen. Mm. And um, I think once you start to see it and once you're like, um, I am being the parent right now that I that I was wishing for like my all my almost my whole childhood mm-hmm. i'm being this parent right now then you can then you can like remodel everything and you can write a new story and you can tell a new story and um I think it's super important to because also it like it changes your brain like really you can go back yourself cell, your cells your brain cells they they don't know it. Um you can go back in your childhood, you can go back to those really painful moments and then trying to imagine how your dream parent would have shown up. Mm, okay. You know, I you like can this. like you can do that in a meditation, like go back to those really painful moments and then imagine imagine just an adult person that can be you right now as an adult adult Mm. that can be a total total stranger or it can um, either be one of your parents and then just imagine and visualizing how with the um, perfect reaction um, how would that feel to me like Mm. how would I how would I felt if I um, if I would have been seen if I would have been heard you know,
0: it's and then like it's you're... like
1: you're changing, you're changing the trauma in your brain. Like yeah. you're really changing the brain structure because you're going back to the trauma again, and your brain doesn't know. It's like actually, like you're not doing it. You cannot go back in the past. That that's what your brain doesn't know. Yes, the cell doesn't know. Oh. so you're going back, and you you write and tell a new story.
0: Yeah, you're like you're you're going back to that moment the root moment of trauma and then you're kind of like reassociating with the moment, putting yourself back in that space and then changing the outcome. Yeah. Changing the and outcome. What you're saying is that your brain doesn't know the difference. And so you're able to kind of rewire yeah, your yep. emotions about that. It's funny that you say because that's almost exactly that what, what uh, we did with the timeline therapy yeah. when I was working with Nico at essence, like, that was kind of what we were doing was going Mm -hmm. back to those root causes and then creating a new signal path for our neurons. So that when I think like we were talking about in this conversation, when I encounter a new situation that has similarities to the original traumatic situation, rather than re traumatizing, I now have the option and the tools to feed that information into the new signal path that I've created and strengthen it. Yeah. And you do that, you know, a million times in your life, and it's going to build that narrative that much stronger. Definitely, it's, it's really,
1: and it's so like it's so powerful how you could see um, in a scan in a brain scan how it changed your brain. Really, like it really changes the part because trauma changes your brain mm. when you're a child and you are like um, mm. experience lots of abuse. Your brain is different, different um, to to a child who like who who's not ha- um had that experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So what you can do is try to heal that parts of your brain by yeah, going back creating a new outcome and Im- like really imagine and vi- visualize how how someone I mean it can be you, it can be a stranger or your parents, how how would it be if they would have reacted differently? How would it be? How would it felt if i was always right where i am right now how how would it felt if i i was like feeling loved and i know that i'm valued no matter what i do that changes so much right going back and just thinking i was loved as a child, because now I'm an adult and I can go back and I can heal my inner child. I can go back to my inner child and I can mm. say, I love you. I love you so much. And you're so strong and you're right. And like this, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just perfect the way you are. Yeah, That can change so much. And mm. it has such a healing potential.
0: It's almost like you're doing inception on your own mind, you know, like the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> implanting these thoughts that are going to take on a new blossom, like in a viral way. Yeah. It's like, we've all I'm sure you've had this experience too but like we all have that friend who like it just seems to float through life you know Mm -hmm. like they have that smile and they have that like they had the upbringing that was full of love and support and the way that they view life it's just why wouldn't they ever expect that things were going to work out and be and be good you know and I have friends like that where I'm like man like And the older I get, the more I start to realize like, oh, that's what that kind of parenting does. It's not like that, you know, it it really does like change the fabric of reality for your kids so that, you know, you're like setting this, this structure in their mind where every new, they've already got the positive track, the positive narrative. So they're always filtering their experiences through that and... I do know that some of those friends when they do encounter adversity it can be really hard for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's why it's not that they're having the perfect life they're going to have struggles. But they're building struggles. up resilience. Exactly. They you have know, the, like... the natural tools to to uh adjust and roll with the punches and
1: yeah, definitely. And I think that's like I I my biggest wish would be for all parents to to become aware um, that it has such an such an impact how you raise your child and how and what kind of a feeling you give to your you're giving to your children are they right like no matter what they do do they still feel that unconditional love mm. and um, are you the, their their safe place I think as a parent when you're their safe place they like the whole world becomes their safe place right. You know, and that's so, so powerful. And I was like, I I, I remember doing that, um, going on like, um, tripping on mushrooms one day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, there was at a time where I was like super depressed. I I was like, I suffered from such a huge depression and I was like, okay, um, feels right tonight. Um, I'm in a good mood. I'm (laughs) gonna take some mushrooms. (laughs) and my it's
0: like a good that'd be a good start to a song (laughs) feels right tonight i'm in a good mood i'm gonna take some mushrooms
1: you're like uh, and i took them and they gave me exactly what i needed they like um they reconnected me with my feelings and my emotions because i felt so empty i just felt so empty and i started to cry and then i was like closing my eyes and i was tripping and it was like um like guided meditation where i just saw that i was like um in the jungle kind of in the jungle with an indigenous um with with indigenous people Mm. and two of them were my parents like my they they adopted me in kind of a way and i saw that there was a fence and behind this this fence were my like real parents and um it sounds kind of mean right now, <laughs> but I think it was part of the whole healing process. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, "Okay, now it's your fault." I'm going, to k- going to them because here I am loved, ah. and they cried. Like my parents, my real so parents. So they were standing they outside the fence. So they, in. yeah, they, they, they felt like that guilt. Mm. But at some point, like I needed this, like during my trip. Yeah, and I left them behind, and I, I went to my, to my new parents. And they were so loving i like I still remember those eyes, like um the eyes of my mother, and she was like so loving, and I felt so right, and I felt like I'm their first priority, and their um yeah, just their whole world, and they they would never think of me as a human being that has like bad intentions or like. You know, because I sometimes felt with my real parents like that I'm an evil person.
0: Mm. You know, yeah, I know that feeling.
1: <laughs> like I, I, I felt like I'm an evil person. I'm just not right. You're a demon. I'm, I'm a demon. I'm an, I'm an evil person. And um, I never got that feeling from from those parents. So I, I got that feeling that I'm right and perfect and I'm such a loving, um, um, human being and so kind you know yeah and then i was asking myself wow that changed my whole reality so that i um became an adult who was like really compassionate and who was who had lots of capacity to give to give to other people and to heal and help um yeah. help other people to to yeah um having for having to, to have to, to change yeah i'm glad you said serious. that because
0: that's I think that's like a universal truth. I certainly discovered it. I've discovered it that like one of the, like if healing is like a tree, one of the fruits that blossoms on that tree, when you do have that feeling of healing is wanting to share that with other people, wanting to spread that. Like in, in the timeline therapy that I did, like the talk was like, okay, we've like emptied you out of like these these emotions that have been hurting you. And like now you have all this spadest inside. Let's fill that all with gratitude and focus on that. And what I realized was that I did suddenly feel full of gratitude. And I would have these deep, powerful moments where I felt so grateful for my life and the world. And all I wanted to do was like share, share. that experience, share the healing. I want every living being to get mm-hmm. to feel the feeling that I'm feeling in this moment, you know? And, and I think that you hit the nail on the head right there with what you were saying that as humans, we have a natural inclination towards when we are, when we've gotten our needs taken care of and when we're feeling like satisfied and fulfilled, like it's human nature to want to share that. Definitely and to Be- spread that feeling amongst everybody else.
1: I mean, because we are more in our, ho- in our higher selves. Yeah, you know, and our higher self always knows like um, what's best for us and for the universe and for the world. And I think the more capacity you you have and you develop, um, the more you're gonna share, and the more you the more you love, the more love you have inside of your heart, the more love you will give to others. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's so important. um, Yeah, to to. rewrite those stories so that you can just not step into your own healing process, but also inspire other people to hear and to share, to heal and to share, because it's the same with the the same with pain. It's like a snowball, snowball. Mm. like pain builds up so much ego and the more ego you have, the less capacity you have to feel compassion and empathy and, um, kindness and you know for other people for other people hello so i think um yeah it's really important and it's the same with with love it's getting mm-hmm. it's beca- like a snowball was developing if you yes yeah.
0: yeah the the love begets the, the love just as like hate can beget hate or yeah. anger can beget anger it it does tend to be
1: it sums up
0: yeah yeah um i want to ask you about your psychedelic experiences like what 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 uh what first got you into psychedelics how did you make your entry into that world what what was that experience like
1: um to be honest i've never had an like an entrance like an entry like to like i was just doing that ashtanga yoga teacher training Mm. in mexico okay and there they said, like, oh, right now you're here and we have those treatments for you. Like, those are available. So, who wants to do Kamba? Who wants to do Bufo? Who wants to do Ayahuasca? And everyone was like, me, me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so if everyone does it, like, does it, then I have to do it, um, okay. yeah. all, like, um, too. I, yeah. I don't want to be the only person who's not doing it. And also before I came to Mexico, I knew that they have those treatments there. And I was like, I, I had no idea what ayahuasca is. Mm. I had no. Okay. Because I've never, I've never took psych- psychedelics before. Yeah. Like I've never, I mean, I've, I've smoked weed sometimes, but it's not a real psychedelic, but I've never like took mushrooms or mm-hmm. acid or stuff. And,
0: um. So you went in both feet into the water. You yeah, just dove like right I into it. I started with
1: Bufo. That's like the most, I think, like one of the strongest placadetics on that earth. Like, Can you, you know, tell,
0: talk about Bufo? Because I had never heard about, of it before. You mentioned it and I don't think it's a lot like of people know what it is.
1: It's like from that big frog.
0: So it's like tree frog venom or poison frog I mean, venom?
1: Not, no, no, no. It's not a, not, not a venom. Hmm. It's um like a, like a, yeah, like a fluid okay um and i know that some indigenous people they just lick. licking frogs yeah, yeah. they're just yeah. licking them uh-huh. um but i mean it's not it's not a frog what is that name for the for Toad? the real big yeah Toad. I think it's, it's one of them licking toads yeah okay and um you can smoke it to because i think if you lick it then you can get like some heart problems hmm. but if you smoke it like this is uh, uh like the the toxins are eliminated so you don't have to deal with that
0: is that how you ingested it
1: yeah i smoked it so you're smoking it and you're like you're pulling and you're gone right away like i had that breakthrough after like three seconds wow like i had a real breakthrough just
0: one one hit of it
1: yeah like you're smoking you're you're pulling like 10 seconds and then then you try to hold it in and like you're like um from the first second you try, I tried to hold it in. I was like, I had that breakthrough and then I died. I was like, <laughs> really, I was really like, it was really de- like a near death experience. Okay. So you're going, you, you feel how your, your body, uh, how your soul is leaving your body. Wow. Mm hmm. You you're going? No, not at all. No. That's not at all afraid because the shaman um, also told us your ego can't kick in that moment. Your soul wants to leave your body, your Mm -hmm. psyche is like, don't do that. Like (laughs) it's dangerous, but I was prepared and I really wanted to, to feel in that experience and to get that experience, the whole experience. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no, I really, because I saw someone before me, um, who was, also pulling, but not enough. So he was not, he, he didn't have that breakthrough. Gotcha. And it really, it didn't, it didn't seem to me like a thing I wanted. I wanted mm. to break through. Yeah. So I pulled really, I pulled really deep. I holded it. I was, I, I was dying and there was, uh, you get into Samadhi, you get right into Samadhi. In yoga, What's you samadhi? would call, that, that's what you would call, like if you are a, Christ, um, a Christian, um, the heaven. Gotcha. Like a place Nirvana. where... Where time doesn't exist anymore, your ego doesn't exist anymore, your body does not exist anymore. You don't even know who you were or are. Like mm. it's probably the place when you are enlightened and okay. you die and you, like the buddhi, the Buddhist would say, you're not, you're not coming back. Gotcha. It's the nirvana. Nirvana. So it was like a place of. It was so heart-opening. It was just like pure joy. Mm. It was pure joy. It was pure. I don't know I like even right now when I'm talking about (laughs) it I have to smile it's such a great place to be it's like nothing matters anymore Mm. like the whole pain you were going through is just like an illusion okay and also like your your identification with your body and who you are with your stories and your belief system it's it's not existing anymore Mm. it's just doesn't matter and how long did it last you probably say it just lasts for one minute, but it f- feels like eternity because right. there's no time. Yeah. When you're there, there's no time. On and, the outside, how long did,
0: it, did, they, did they say that it took?
1: Uh, the first time I did Bufu was 15 minutes. Gotcha. Like, and then I came back yeah. and before I did it, I set the intention to forgive my mom. mm for because we had a huge fight before i went to mexico and i i suffered a lot from like um this yeah the kind of relationship we had at that t- at that time and i really wanted to forgive her but i i felt that something's blocking me i don't know what and so i was like i want to forgive my mom that was the only no i want to forgive my parents actually i want to forgive my parents was the intention I said before I did Bufo, and um, it was so funny because after I, I returned from Samadhi, I felt how my my souls got back into my body, mm-hmm. body, and then I became my mother. <laughs> my face changed, and I was her. Suddenly, I was her. Like, um, and I felt how much love I was, I was her when she was young, when she was probably when I was probably about two years old. So I felt all the love she had for me and I felt, but also I felt her, her struggles and her pain and her trauma and everything that she was going through. And, um, I had to cry so hard because I felt so sorry that I judged her all the time. Um, that I was not able to able to see that pain because I, I was struggling with my own pain. Yeah. And, um, I felt so connected. Like I, I was, and I, I felt that I cannot even describe it. I like if, if you're smoking before also, if you do ayahuasca and sometimes with mushrooms, you're just like, you are this person. Like it's not, there's no separation. You mm. feel like everyone is connected. We're all connected. Mm. And, uh, you are me and I am you, like, and that was so so intense. How many bufo
0: ceremonies did you do?
1: I did two. Two. T- do two? Yeah.
0: Were they on the same day or different days? No,
1: or? no. There were like um, the second one I had like four weeks after. Gotcha. And I was like already, I already finished the um, the yoga teacher training, mm-hmm. and I. My boyfriend was also in Mexico and um I did it and he was watching. Wow. Cuz I thought oh it's getting like it's really, it's again super peaceful. I mean last time I just had to cry um mm-hmm. after but like it's super peaceful. I wanted but to then, ask you
0: what it was like when you came out of the samadhi space. That's when you started crying and you felt like you were Yeah, mom?
1: that's when I when I came out like in the first ceremony I remember how they this the song they they played the song the shamans um, about a beautiful no that was not the beautiful bird about um, it says like heart my heart is opening as I die mm. and then it says like I'm I'm but then they're singing like I'm coming home I'm coming home and I still remember this I'm coming home I'm coming home and I thought well, I was like. I like get goosebumps <laughs> because I was um, feeling how I was reborn. Yeah, there was a new birth for me, um, and they they sang this 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 phrase: "I'm coming home, I'm coming home." In the such a, with such um, beautiful voice voices, and I really felt like I'm coming home home right now. It's like the pain is gone, wow, and uh, I'm coming home right now. It's beautiful. Like, yeah, I was reborn. And it was so powerful. It was so powerful.
0: And how did that experience differ when you did your ayahuasca ceremony? What was that like?
1: Ayahuasca was really hard for me because it took me... I mean, ayahuasca takes about six to eight hours. Okay. And I found that, that this was really strong. I mean, for me, it was really strong. And um, I know that in during ayahuasca, I didn't have... Like the the big breakthrough. Mm. It was more than I was like tripping a lot, and um, with all the the yeah, with all the hallucinogenic, hel- like how do you say that like, yeah, like you just like see stuff that is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but all also the sometimes I was like there. There were like those those moments when I was back into my body. And um, I was so afraid, I knew, um, I was so afraid I pooped myself. Really? And I really was <laughs> sure I, poop, I pooped myself because yeah. everything felt so wet. Mm. And I was like, oh, I think I pooped myself. It's <laughs> so bad. And I couldn't, but the thing was, I couldn't move. Okay. And um, it was like the worst experience ever. And um, <laughs> I couldn't move. I was so cold, but I couldn't grab the the like the towel behind me Mm -hmm. and i couldn't grab my my hoodie because i was too weak okay and i was just freezing and i was just like thinking i pooped myself but then it turned out it was not really like it was just (laughs) uh an illusion i didn't poop myself everything like was fine okay but um it was it was much harder Mm. much harder um i was going like i experienced my birth again which was really traumatic because they had to pull me out with that machine i don't know how you call it in english but they had to pull me out and um i didn't breathe for a few minutes wow and i experienced that again and i didn't breathe again and then i released it and like the release the, um, to release it um, you, you do all kinds of weird, st- of weird stuff I mean you bite yourself you're shaking your head you're like um, yeah it sometimes looks maybe like like you um, know exorcism yeah and little. you're in a
0: room with other people at this who are also
1: going yeah through their yeah journeys, like right? and it's like I I think like if you would not be tripping it would be really weird because you have <laughs> like you hear some people are like puking, yeah. some people are crying, some people are laughing, some people people are like. you know and like
0: orgasming
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's everyone is doing different noises and like they're like it's that those are not normal noises are you
0: able to like drown those out do they infringe on your own experience like
1: sometimes um you don't hear them but it can uh, that, that it can definitely impact your experience that's why it's so important i think if you do ayahuasca like please be aware to do it not in a big group mm-hmm. like mm, i mean it
0: seems like one-on-one would probably be the best
1: um no i think you can be more yeah yeah you can be more um but like not more than like 15 people i would say
0: there was more than because 15 we,
1: people yeah we were like over 30 I that think. is
0: crazy that is yeah. insane how would you like keep track of everybody <laughs>
1: Because sh- That was the thing, actually. I wouldn't do it um, like that again. Because the
0: shamans are also imbibing, right? That's part of yeah, the ceremonies. They yeah. take some too, right? Yeah,
1: they take some too. And they were not able to like really be aware of everyone is is doing well. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was so cold. I was super, super cold. Yeah. And I really struggled. And um, I, it didn't feel like I was really supported. Mm-hmm. Because we were too many people. And I wouldn't do it the same way. Um, now I mean it was it 's okay that it was that way, but um i 'm glad because I wanted to do another ayahuasca ceremony like a um, few days after, oh, really? and that would have been seventy people oh wow, and I know that like two of my friends who decided to do it, they had such a hard time, and they really struggled after it mm. because they they were not given the space also to share what they have gone through the next really? day you cannot just you cannot just go in an ayahuasca ceremony and then the next day you're just like okay and now Back to enjoy life. your vacation. Yeah, yeah right. go go back to life. Like this
0: is not how it's supposed to be. In the, psych- and in the, the psychedelic uh, therapies I've done, they they call it. Uh, you need to have reintegration sessions. Definitely, you're coming you back need to have that and making meaning out of what you've experienced. Yeah. And,
1: and integrate, uh, integrate it to learn how to integrate it in your new, like in your new life. And when right. you're going back home, and like you're so overwhelmed after all those um ex- like after all those things you saw and you were going through again and my, I mean it has the potential to maybe also re-traumatize and to Ooh. to heal you have to have those integration sessions and to talk about it like that's a that's what a good shaman would do but that was like uh, unfortunately not how um we did it but yeah. so that's what why i would always suggest yeah, don't I do it like, like that
0: i feel like you know, psychedelics, they often are talked about, people love to talk about the euphoria and the euphoric feelings that you have and people love to talk about the really terrible trips. And I do think that as with so many things in your body, like you can kind of apply like the yoga perspective to it all. Like, and like, I like I've definitely had the experience of taking psychedelics in a context where I like it almost felt like I pulled a spiritual muscle you know like I strained something in in my psyche Mm -hmm. and then it took time to move past that into like heal from it and and that doesn't mean that a painful experience or or a difficult experience on psychedelics is going to hurt you but it is really important to have the the reintegration to have the support so that even if it is something that was hard or traumatic, you can still code it in your brain to fit the positive narratives because even yeah. a difficult experience, there's a lesson there. And so you Definitely. can gain something really profound out of it. But if you also are thinking about afterwards, like, Oh, that sucked. That was terrible. That hurt me. You're like you said, with that the broke me, your body's going to, you know, is going to change to match what those thought patterns are. Definitely.
1: And I was always like, I think it's so important to not give that such a big meaning. If you had a hard time, you had a hard time. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was like, um, it's part of the healing process. And I remember going back home, um, and then, then realizing, um, I got pregnant after all this healing, like the healing ceremonies and yeah. stuff. And falling into that huge pregnancy, pregnancy depression. But not giving it so much meaning. Just releasing to it and, and seeing it as it's part of the healing process. Now ayahuasca is kicking me in the ass again. Right. Now I have to first repeat the same patterns and to experience the same feelings and emotions again to then let it go for, like, the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, it's like sometimes people, they have that expectation, like, I'm doing ayahuasca, then I'm going out and I'm feeling super healthy and I'm feeling, like, I'm feeling It's going to fix all my problems. Yeah, like, I'm just, like, um, I'm going out and I don't have any problems anymore. But that's not how, like... That's the worst, thi- worst thing you can do is um, to have an expectation on your healing journey and how, yeah. how does it have to look. Because you don't know how it will look. Ayahuasca yeah. will decide for you how right. it will look. You and maybe you go, how, you go home and you're feeling shitty, like, mm-hmm. like you've never felt before. But then that's part of the healing process. And just right. trusting and surrendering to this process and being like, that's part of it right now. The, that is like that is a yogi mindset and right. this, this is really important I
0: sometimes think. medicine tastes bad you know it's true <laughs> what, what what do you think uh in your mind what's the difference between like in this context when you're going into a psychedelic experience the difference between having an expectation and setting an intention because mm-hmm. the two could you know are similar but there's a little bit difference and i think in, in how you orient your mind
1: i think setting an intention i mean you could do that with Writing a letter, for mm-hmm. example, um, like "Dear Ayahuasca," <laughs> and then, yeah, and then you can ask for stuff you want to know. You mm-hmm. can like, I want to find out this. I want to get to know um, this person better. I want to, I want to experience this. I want to see that. I want to have the explanation for this and that. Like that's an intention that you set is, you know, so that you can you can impact your journey a little bit Mm -hmm. so that you don't go just into it and Ayahuasca shows you whatever, but you can like a little bit, you influence your brain to like um, see the things you have to see right now. Mm -hmm. But an attention doesn't mean that you are disappointed when you're coming out and you've not experienced that. Like it's just, okay, that was my intention, Mm -hmm. but it showed me something else and right. that's okay yeah because um i needed to know and um i needed to see that yeah and having an expectation is always creating like disappointment mm. cuz you're going out and you're like but i wanted that mm-hmm. and i did not get it so i'm not doing it again and th- there's no healing um behind it it's frustrating to expect something, right? <laughs> Setting yourself <laughs> and up, and then for it's failure. like, and also like, it's it takes away potential, like healing mm. potential, because you're limiting yourself. Maybe ayahuasca has to show you something. That is so much bigger and so much more important right now, but because you are so focused on that intention and you're you're like no i but I want this, I want that, <laughs> you're like blocking yourself and you're limiting your like your healing process <laughs> uh, no yeah,
0: yeah that's that face was hilarious um, <laughs> yeah the uh it's kind of like I, I the way that you described it it's it makes me think of like intu- or an intention is. Like you're, you're creating a vessel that the, that the experience can fill Mm -hmm. and maybe you have a certain shape that you're going to, that you're going to fill and that shape might change, but you're at least creating a shape. And then with an expectation, it's almost like a set of limiting beliefs. Like it makes me think of Mm -hmm. the first time I took mushrooms. I think I was like 16 or 17 with my two brothers, went out to the beach and I was just like, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be the most fun thing ever. And I remember as it started to come on, I was like, this isn't fun. This isn't awesome. <laughs> this feels really weird. Like, And I got hung up on this idea that I wasn't, I was supposed to be having more fun, but I wasn't having fun. And, and that's first, when you suffer the most. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was stuck on it at first. I was like, oh, it's my water bottle. That's the reason why I'm not having fun. So I took my water bottle and I just threw it as far away as I could. And then I thought it was, you know, my sandwich. So I took my sandwich and I threw my sandwich away as far as I could. And then what I eventually realized was that my two brothers were wanting to go in one direction and I was feeling like I wanted to go in another and Mm -hmm. there was like a conflict. And nobody had said anything, but I just realized that. And so I told my brothers that I loved them and I went off on my own and like I got maybe like a, you know, a hundred feet down the beach and suddenly I started feeling really good. And like, I looked up and the clouds were like pulsing purple and then like I had this walking stick and I remember I got to this place and suddenly I found a new walking stick and it was like the symbol of everything changing. And I decided I wanted to get naked and I took off all my clothes And I was just sitting on a log and looking at the sky dance. And I just was by myself and feeling so good about that. I had like done this. I had taken like my own story. Mm -hmm. I, I had started living my own adventure and I sat with it for a while. And then, then I started to feel like I wanted to go back and tell my, my brothers about my adventure. So I gathered all my clothes up under one arm. I think maybe I put my underwear back on and I walked back up the beach and I saw my brothers and they were like rolling in the sand like they were pigs, like pretending they were <laughs> pigs. And, uh, and they said that when they saw me coming, it looked like there was like a prince mm-hmm. like <laughs> r- riding in on a horse kind of. Yeah, I can't imagine like, that. Like Aladdin, like Prince Ali, you know. And, uh, and from that moment on, like the whole rest of the trip, was just like pure love and enjoyment. I told them what I did, they told me about like the bushes they looked at and the like adventures that they had and that's one of my favorite things now if I'm if I do do like a more social psychedelic experience with people, usually out in nature, I do try to build into it alone time. If I start to feel anxiety or yeah, I feel overwhelmed, definitely. I that's go off so by boring. myself. I can meditate, I can use my tools. Mm-hmm. And then it's always such a joy to come back Mm -hmm. and everybody's got like adventures Mm -hmm. to share and Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that's really beautiful. Well, I think that we're almost at the end of our time. Well, I don't know where we're at right now. Let's, let's see where we're, where we're sitting at right now. Yeah. So the last thing I'm going to ask you and we can, we can end on this note because I feel like it would be wrong not to at least ask this question before we finish. Can you just talk a little bit about this decision, you know, you're 6 months pregnant and you're like I'm going to go to Costa Rica and have an adventure. My boyfriend's not coming. And like like what was the intention behind that? But then also like what your experience as this young growing mother has been uh during your time here? Like what has this whole experience been for you?
1: I felt like because I always loved to travel alone, Mm. and I did it a lot. Mm. I was, I mean, I went to the Bahamas alone. Why do you like to travel alone? Mm, I started it, and it felt for for me. It felt like I'm meeting more people. Okay, I'm connecting with more people. I'm building strength, and I'm becoming like more independent. And um, also, what was what impacted me was always during my travels. I also love to travel with my, I mean, I I would love to have my boyfriend here, but if he's not able to do it, I'm not gonna stay at home Um, being unhappy about that. I cannot travel right now just because nobody can come with me. Mm -hmm. And like, so, so often um, I didn't like, I didn't have any friends who were able to come with me and then I was I decided okay then I'm gonna go alone I'm not staying here just because nobody's nobody can join me right Um I mean life is too short for that and especially in relationships you have to learn how to make yourself happy mm. and yeah. um, still do your stuff mm-hmm. and so I decided that I had like um, left vacation and I want to spend it uh, maybe in Costa Rica to yeah, to, uh, to develop like healthy patterns again, like, because like in the beginning I suffered like a lot from pregnancy, depression, and then you get into those like unhealthy patterns, like starting the day with a phone, for example. Mm -hmm. And like, I really felt that I want to develop a spiritual practice, um, again in the morning, like a morning routine before I get the baby. And, um, I want to have some time on my own. I want to like visualize and yeah, create the, my perfect birth experience in my mind. Um, and I want to, I want to, I need time for that and I need space for that. And that's something that is hard to do at home when you have other stuff like, and uh, other things going on around you. So I decided to come here and, um, I was not afraid at all, but, um, i feel like right now i know there are some things i would have done totally different when i like yeah when i knew what i have i have to expect like for example i would not just go spontaneous um without booking like i mean we did that we just went like <laughs> oh are we're, we're spontaneous and it went out fine but yeah. like we had two nights where we were like getting frustrated because we didn't find a place to stay right. and during pregnancy you're feeling more vulnerable and you're feeling like um it's uh like exhausted after after just a few minutes of like this like the stress like you you have don't you don't have that resilience anymore mm-hmm. so i would do things different but i still would travel alone and um sometimes i have those moments where i have like all kinds of irrational fears coming up like what if something happens tomorrow mm. i ha- i mean i had that one time right now like You're just one about that time today, yeah. yeah yesterday that i was like oh what 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 if like a snake bites me or <laughs> you know yeah. um or something happens and yeah. like i have to give birth to my baby here mm-hmm. um too way too early. But um also I'm I'm just releasing to those tho- thoughts. I mean I'm I just letting them come up. Just observing them. Yeah. And um, try to not I uh, identify um with all my with all those fears because sometimes it's just like pregnancy is such a big exciting journey. Mm-hmm. Um it's like, I would call it a, like a, like a nine month ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> like, it's really like that. Because you, so you, much you're trauma. You're cold, you're
0: weak, you think you shit yourself. Yeah, no,
1: it's like really like not, not the physical things, yeah. but like it's more all those traumas coming up again, all the unhealthy patterns, all those triggers, mm. like, um, and I don't know if it's me or if it's like um, the same for uh, for other women too. You are becoming aware of some so many things because you want to be the best parent you can be for your child, and especially the best mother. And um, maybe it's like evo- an evolutionary pros- process to to now heal yeah. the stuff you still um, haven't um, healed yet, and. Um, yeah to me it feels like it's that it's that kind of journey so you will experience those weird moments but that doesn't mean you have to stay at home and then just like you know you can still enjoy your trip even if they're yeah. like bad and and maybe hard days i mean i had a hard time to come here yeah i was i was puking seven times i thought like i'm two two days i was so super sick uh, from the airport super to, sick to essence from the airport to Essence, then there I had this like, yeah, yeah like, like the digestive problem where I th- thought I I couldn't eat anything. Mm-hmm. felt like really sick. Here I had it again. So sometimes yeah, there are days like this, but it's okay.
0: I mean, you have the tools to to get through any of these things as 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 you've described, and I I think it's beautiful. It's been such a cool experience for me you know, uh, just as a guy getting to, I don't know. I think I came out of my yoga retreat and I had this like deep intuitive feeling that like I felt protective of your baby. You know, we'd been through like this ceremony together. We'd been through like some experiences. So I felt like the natural like urge of a man wanting to protect Mm -hmm. like a woman in a vulnerable place. But then also just like the deep curiosity about like almost viewing this time together as like it's been in my own way, my own kind of shamanic journey of like, like, OK, like when in my life am I, am I going to be able to like travel with like a pregnant woman who's not necess- like my pregnant woman? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it there were some lessons to learn and there was a, a, it, it, I saw it as like. Uh, it a really interesting opportunity, you know, in, in the way that I view my travels, because for me, traveling is all about saying yes to the opportunities that present themselves. So when I saw it happen with you, I was like, OK, like I'm totally happy with my Costa Rica trip going in any direction. This is a seems like an interesting opportunity to experience. And uh, and it's been great. It's been such a cool it's it's been so cool seeing you, like hold your space as a mother and watching you develop your uh, identity as a mother and your like boundaries of what you're putting into your body and what you're what situations you're going to be, you know, allowing you in this new being to experience and I've been really impressed at how how much like. I forget you're pregnant a lot of times cuz you're so active, you know? It's like then I remember, oh yeah, she's got this be- this baby in her belly, but like you're still going out and swimming and I remember being at the we were at this hot river and I was helping you across and then like 5 minutes later I look over and you're just like like a frog <laughs> just walking across the rocks and super mobile and you know, it's it's I've had a, you know, several friends over the last couple years who have become mothers and it's just cool to meet someone who's still I can just tell that you're still uh really committed to your own work and your own experience and it's not that you're sacrificing the experience of motherhood or your baby to to have that but you're also not sacrificing that to have your baby you know like you're I see you really engaged both as Lisa the individual, the 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 journeyer, the seeker, mm-hmm. and you're also integrating that with Lisa, the mother, the caretaker, the supporter.
1: Yeah, with the new identification. Yeah, trying to do that. So it's it's
0: it's been a it's been a trip. It's been cool uh, getting to to have that experience, and you know,
1: yeah. And you did a great service, actually. <laughs> I mean, it was not always easy for you. You're trying to flirt with the girls, and they were like. <laughs> What a weird guy is that having his <laughs> like? I mean, how? Who would think that we are not a couple? You know, right, I mean, I'm pregnant. Right. I mean, yeah. we never acted in a romantic way, but no, no. I mean, just seeing a woman who's pregnant and I a, think that a almost made it more the same age. Like, you know? and then um, then like you're trying to to connect yeah. with those women, and they're like, "Oh yeah. what kind of a weirdo are you?" Every like, every your girl girlfriend's I met pregnant, yeah, pregnant, every and then I made paying eyes with. for yourself, like yeah <laughs> they all thought I was yeah. schmucks was and like, a terrible yeah. partner and, <laughs> and I mean that that me like um that meant a lot to me like because I <laughs> knew you I, I knew you you could have probably met some girls and mm. like um create creating some s- connections mm-hmm. but um you oh, were okay. just like you yeah, we're just like releasing and surrendering to to, to the process and to yeah. the, to the service like um you did to me that was amazing
0: yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was, to me, it was more funny than anything. And I think that's probably because I was coming out of this amazing, like, yoga retreat and feeling so just at peace. Like, it it didn't matter to me that, like, it was just funny to me when I would flirt with someone and they would, l- like, look at me with those accusatory eyes. And I knew, you know, we both knew, that I think in some ways, the fact that we were, not acting romantic made it a stronger narrative for people because I would just see people like, Oh, they're not, they're not doing well. You know, like, like, You know, so many couples have those issues during pregnancy where they're feeling a disconnect. So I would see, you know, shop owners or girls, like just people like, Oh, you know, they're sleeping in separate beds. So things aren't going well, you know,
1: like, it's so funny because then you're like those those people are all, like, judging yeah, totally. in kind of a way. But you're like, you you have no idea.
0: Like, yeah. you just don't know. But on the other hand, too, you know, I think that I would be remiss if I wasn't also acknowledging that, you know, when you're traveling as as a single guy by yourself, that's like the ultimate unknown quantity. You could be a dangerous person. People... Mm -hmm. I mean, when I travel, I tend to find that people are always like very open and, 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 and interconnecting. But there, it is true that you do get a little bonus too. like traveling with a pregnant woman. I'm like instantly not a threat to Mm -hmm. anybody. They Mm -hmm. all are like, okay, like, he's with his wife or he's with she's yeah. got a kid like he's taking care of his family you're like. just the weird family yeah, father exactly who is yeah. like
1: yeah. F- trying to flirt with other yeah, girls exactly exactly but yeah that it's was a really trade-off funny. but
0: um but yeah that i think that this this podcast we've been trying to do it for a couple of days and we've had our the road bumps but i also think that it's really beautiful that we're doing this on our last night yeah. of this shared trip. We're parting ways tomorrow. And uh, so, you know, getting to do this together was really special. And Definitely. I just,
1: I'm super glad we did it. Super grateful. Yeah. And
0: thank you so much for coming on my show and being interested and being interesting. And
1: Thank you uh, it's for been, the opportunity.
0: Yeah. It's been a sweet couple of weeks or three weeks uh, getting to know you and hanging out and I think that uh, hopefully this is the first of many such conversations. I definitely want to have you on again and hear about the birth process. Yeah, and that would be cool. Check back in after you've had Talking your baby about the home birth. Yes, we got to do a home birth episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, how? So the last thing that I need to say, just because I'm trying to be a good host here, um, we didn't even mention this, but you have a YouTube channel. Yeah, and people can check you out on that. Can Can you just? Very briefly, give me give give our audience a explanation of your channel, and then how people can find it and and can and can connect with you if they want.
1: You mean, what it is about? Yeah, yeah, it's like about almost like everything. I just, I mean, I um, put videos up right now, super irregular. Mm-hmm. So the last videos was about my were about my experience in Mexico and the psychedelics and the ayahuasca. The bufo and the ayahuasca, Mm -hmm. and um, there's
0: footage of you actually on these experiences.
1: Yeah, but like on 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 bufo, yeah, and on combo. But combo is not a psychedelic. Yeah,
0: I thought that Mm -hmm. was super brave. I don't know if I'd put my I could put myself on a psychedelic trip online. That'd be like
1: like, yeah, I've 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 like you don't see the the hard parts. I would say like because they're like really hard, like, Mm. and also to protect myself, um, of course, I didn't want to do that. But there you you see some things. And, um, you can find me on Lisa da Silva. That's my name mm-hmm. there on YouTube and also on Instagram, Cool. which is now, um, deactivated, but I, I'm at one point I'm going to be back. Yeah. I'll be back. Lisa da Silva. Lisa da Silva. And, uh, but I'm, it's in German. So like, I mean, this video is gonna, I will upload that in on, on, on English Okay. and there will probably coming more videos in English, yeah. but The videos that are well. If you like, if you're like
0: me and you're you like listening to German, maybe uh, it'll be something for you. If you're an English speaker, and if you're a German speaker, then so much the better. And hopefully, at some point too, we talked about this. You'll get you'll be able to get like the Google translation. Yeah, that would be super. You can have a transcription going in English. Some subtitles. All right, Lisa. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been lovely and. Um, all you guys go check out her channel and uh, yeah, uh, all the best. Thanks for coming on. and Thank you. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Yes. All right. Okay, there you go. Episode 38 in the books. Um, yeah, so much thanks to Lisa for coming on. Lisa Crossy. Well, <laughs> Krause. Um, yeah had a blast super interesting um a little bit of housekeeping before i finish uh just wanted to announce that the space art podcast is very quickly going to be coming into fruition i think i mentioned it a couple months back but uh me and my neighbor forest friend of the show will be starting a new podcast uh dealing with the spaces in which art is created uh, and creativity uh, in a various number of fields with, we're going to have some really epic guests and uh, it's just going to be a new creative venture that I'm really excited about. And uh, so more to come on that front. Uh, Keep your ears peeled. I hope you guys all had a great Halloween weekend and uh, thanks so much for tuning in.